Hi, well, the broadcast this week is I'm so struggling with this, get me out of here. Thinking about the loving our neighbour. Hi, my name's Roger and I'm the pastor of the church here. If you're looking for an easy life, well, I wish you well with that. If you're looking for an easy faith, well, I wish you well with that as well. But I would strongly advise that you don't, therefore, consider following Jesus. Because some of his demands are pretty tough, pretty gruelling, almost impossible, we may well feel. You see, one of the things that he would demand is that we put other people before ourselves. Or that we live with integrity, even when no one's eyes are upon us. Even that we are respectful and even loving towards those people who maybe used us, mistreated us, gossiped about us. Now that is a tough call, isn't it? You know, God, who sent this Jesus to love and redeem and forgive and make our world a better place, this God is still after such people. He doesn't give up on them, whether people are angry evil or even disbelieving in him and there's something about his heart that we're going to need if we're going to get even remotely close to what it really means to love our enemies that's our theme for this weekend we're going to be exploring that it's a tough subject isn't it i'm so struggling with this get me out of here There's no way out. Because Jesus' teaching is clear that we are indeed to love our enemies. What did he mean? And how on earth can we do that? Or maybe do a better job than we have done? Join us as we explore that together. And where there's little visual clips up on the screen, I'll try to describe what's going on. sense of dread one to another 
For some of us, we'll be thinking, oh, no, no, all of a sudden I'm going to be going back again to be on my own, lonely, having to shield. For others of us, we're going to feel that sense of being angry within. Always that sense of feeling stressed or, or anxious. Can I remind you that we have looked at all of those different themes and emotions over recent weeks. You can still download those messages from our website. They will still be just as relevant because we've been trying to explore what God's Word says and speaks into those very subjects. And God's Word is unchanging in regards to its relevance for today, tomorrow, next week. It goes on and on and on for every people group facing every life situation. And that includes coronavirus. But what about today? Well, today, uh, as I mentioned, it's our last in our current series, and we're thinking about one of the more difficult things that Jesus said about loving our enemies. Well, I'm pleased to say that our puppets are going to be back with us. They're going to be sharing a little bit later on. There's a very, very creative uh, message and quiz, I have to say, uh, from, uh, from Claire and her children. And I just hope that you do a lot better in the quiz than I did. But before anything else, we're going to worship God in song. A song that speaks about that which God has indeed done. This is amazing grace. Just where you are, let rip. As you let those words, the reality of them, saturate and just wash over your mind and your soul. And then give back to God that thanks that is due to Him. This is indeed amazing grace. Focusing on what He has done. There's no better starting point than that, is there? After that, there's there going to be a really great cartoon for the kids. So make sure they're ready to watch that. Because that begins to explore the theme that we're looking at today. But first, let's worship God. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King of love,
was ruled by the Roman Empire. The Romans had invaded Jerusalem, and they made life very difficult for many Jews. The Roman Emperor demanded that the people worship him instead of God. Roman tax collectors took the people's hard-earned money, and Roman soldiers bullied anyone who disagreed. Throughout Jerusalem, the Romans were viewed as an enemy. They were hated. One day, Jesus sat down on a hillside, surrounded by his disciples and a large crowd of people. Many of those listening had seen firsthand how cruel the Romans could be, and they listened eagerly to Jesus' teaching. What would Jesus say about people like the Romans? Would he say people should hate their enemies? Would he say they should get even with them? Much to their surprise, Jesus said that they should love their enemies. Jesus explained what this love looked like by giving some examples. First, he told the people, If someone slaps you on your right cheek, let them slap your left cheek as well. This would have been very difficult for the people to accept, but Jesus wanted everyone listening to understand something very important. Love doesn't take revenge. Love doesn't hurt others who have caused harm. Jesus gave the people a second example. If anyone brings you to court to take your shirt, let them have your coat as well. 
A person's outer coat was very important in Jesus' time. For example, the poor would use their coats as blankets to sleep in on cold nights. But Jesus wanted the crowd to understand that true love comes from a deep trust in God. Love will give away things of incredible value, even to those who don't deserve them. Next, Jesus said, If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two miles. According to their law, Roman soldiers could force people to carry their heavy gear for one mile. People hated having to do this, and they would never think of going an extra mile. But Jesus taught the crowd that love always serves others, even enemies, with a humble heart. Love always goes above and beyond, doing more than expected. Jesus was letting the crowd know that they should love others the way that God loves them. Jesus explained that God was like a good father in heaven. God shows his goodness and love to everyone, even those who don't deserve it. Jesus reminded the crowd that God gives his very best gifts, like warm sunshine and nourishing rain, to everyone, good and bad. Jesus challenged the crowd to love each other in the same way. Later, on a cross, Jesus would become the perfect example of God's love. There, people hurt and insulted him, but he didn't take revenge or get even. Instead, Jesus gave away the most valuable thing of all, his own life, as a payment for our sins. Our Savior went the extra mile so that we could be free from our sin and live with God in heaven forever. God loved us first, even when we were sinners. It's amazing. And this is how Jesus says we are to love others. Hi, welcome to the Community Kids Slot. Uh, this is Molly, and this is Jack, and I'm Claire. We're going to talk a little bit about um, heroes and villains. So in the clip that we just saw, the Romans were the baddies. Uh, they were the baddies in that story. Um, we want to play a quiz where we're going to get you to guess the baddie or the villain that's associated with the hero. So, uh, Molly, give us our first hero. Our first hero is Harry Potter. Right. So, who is Harry Potter's uh, villainous enemy? Do you know? Shout out. Jack, what's the answer? Voldemort. Voldemort. He's a baddie. Nasty baddie. Right, Jack, who's the next hero? Thor. Okay, Thor. Anyone seen the Avenger movies? Um, we're just watching them at the moment. So who is Thor's wicked, villainous enemy? Molly? Brother it's, lo it's Loki. It's Loki. Did you get it? It's Brother enemy. So if you're into, if you're into video uh, games uh, on, the, on the Nintendo or whatever, um, you'll know about this one. So who's the next hero, Mol? Mario. So Mario. Who's always trying to drive Mario off the road? In, uh, what's that one you play? Mario Odyssey. Okay. I'll give you five seconds. Five, four, three, three two, two, one. Jack, what's the answer? Bowser. Bowser. Bowser, the big right. baddie. Next one. So, we've got a hero, oh, my, one of my favourite heroes. So, Batman is the hero. And who's Batman's enemy? Who's the baddie? Well, 
it's Joker. It's Joker. I think he has some other baddies along the way. It's but anyway. Harley Quinn. The main baddies, Joker. Harley Quinn. And last yeah. guess. This is the last quiz. See how many you get. So um, you can give yourself a sweetie out of your sweetie jar for everyone you get right. So this is number five or six. Five. Last um, one. The next one. What's the next hero, Jack? Snow White. Snow White. So it's a bit old school. Who was Snow White's villain in her story? Molly? It was the wicked stepmother. It was her wicked stepmother with her mirror mirror on the wall. See how many you got. We're thinking today about a bit in the Bible where um, Jesus is talking to a group of people and he explains to them that we should um, love our enemies. And when we think about enemies or villains, uh, so the guys that we've just been through in that little quiz that we did, so Voldemort and um, Loki and the wicked stepmother, they're pretty bad people and um, it's pretty hard to think about how we could love them. Um, I think in real life and probably at school um, and the guys that we hang out with, we probably don't have true enemies who are trying to kind of shoot us down or kill us or do awful things to us, but perhaps um, we actually have people that are just a bit more difficult to love. So it's kind of easy to love your heroes, it's easy to love your family and your friends because you like them and you like hanging out with them. But there's probably people around, uh, maybe at work, or maybe at school, who are just more difficult to love. Uh, they perhaps don't have similar interests to you, they perhaps behave in a way that you don't like, they do things that you don't agree with. Um, but Jesus is telling us in this bit of the Bible that those are the people that we need to spend our energy loving. So we've got a change of scene now. We're in our bathroom, <laughs> random, with Molly and Jack. And with the Lego men. Here are all our Lego men. So, guys, who have we got in amongst these, this uh, set of Lego men? So um, we have the Grinch. We've got the Grinch. Oh, he's a baddie, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who else have we got? Then we've got... Batman. Batman, we've got goodies. We have Catwoman. Catwoman. So we've got a whole collection of, we've got some, we've got some policemen, so there's some goodies. We've got some robbers. So we've, we've got, got a whole like collection of Arkham. people, haven't we? Goodies and baddies. Yeah? Do we agree? Arkman. Brilliant. Arkham. Right, put them in the bath. Let's do this. Let's do this. They need a bit of a wash anyway. They need a wash, do they? Yeah, they need a wash. Okay. Jack, can you turn the shower on? Hang on. Yeah. Where are they? There they are. Really? So what we're going to demo is oh, when Jack turns the shower on. Can you do that? Let's get a better view. When Jack turns the shower on. Yeah, and, and showers the people. He'll do it. I'll, I'll do the. Quick, quick, get the shower on. This is going to be cold for them. Oh my goodness. So, oh, they're all getting wet. They're all getting wet. Is that what you said, Molly? Every single one of them, yeah, the goodies the and the baddies, all getting wet. Brilliant. So is it like this in the playground? When it rains, does everyone get wet? Yeah, everyone does, gets wet. Does anyone kind of not get wet? Does the rain decide not to rain on certain no. people? No. Exactly. Right, you can turn the shower off. Yeah, I get the torch now. Let's get the Lego people out. Hello. Right, we've we've rescued the people, uh, the Lego people from the bath now, and they are on the floor in the bedroom or in the hallway actually. Right. Let's go for it, Molly. Turn the light on. Brilliant. So, when the light shines on the people, do they all see the light? They all... They all see the light. They're all bright, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So, those little examples with the Lego people. Um, 
just a visual example of how uh, Jesus explains uh, we can learn to love our enemies. When the rain comes down or when the sun shines, it hits everyone. It's not, it doesn't uh, decide it's not going to rain on one person and it is going to rain on another person. And that's how Jesus asks us to love people, to love them, whoever they are, whatever they've, they've done or are doing. And that can sometimes be really, really hard. So my challenge to you is when you are in the playground uh, this week or perhaps in your workplace and there are people around who are difficult to love, perhaps they're being a bit mean, perhaps they're doing something that you don't think is a good thing. I want you to look up at the sky and think about when the rain falls and the fact that the rain falls on everyone's head and the sun shines on everyone's head when it shines, just like God's love is there for everybody and we need to love people in the way that God loves people, loving them all, it doesn't matter who they are or what they're doing. Thank you so much Claire and Molly and Jack as well, fantastic that quiz and so creative in terms of helping us understand that passage and what Jesus was maybe trying to communicate. Well, how did you do in the quiz? Want to know how well I did? Well, I only got one out of five, so that wasn't very good. And I was even more dented when the question I got right was the one that Claire described as being the old school question. Thanks a lot for that, Claire. Anyway, the scene is set regarding where we're going today. But we also benefit immensely by hearing directly from the word of God itself, the Bible. That's what the Bible is. And so we're going to do that right now. Now, it may well be that when you come to God's word, you don't always understand everything you read, particularly if you just open it up at random. That's okay. Don't worry about that. Maybe ask God to speak to you before you come to read it. But nonetheless, so often, one of the ways that God speaks to us is directly from his word when we spend time with him. So we're going to listen now directly from that passage that we've already alluded to about loving our enemies. And Tori is going to remind us of those words of Jesus now. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 to 48. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not pagans even do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Thanks, Tori. That was great. Okay, let's start by clarifying some of the basics. And most basic, but maybe most important of all, is to, to be reminded of this, that doing good does not make us right with God. Jesus' teaching about you need to love your enemies has sometimes been, been interpreted by some as, well, as if, well, if you do these kind of things, that's how you become a Christian, what it means to be a Christian. No, that's not the case, which is why the Bible says elsewhere that it is by grace that you have been saved. This is not by works, so that no one can boast. 
It's something that God has indeed done for us. So you can read about that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 in the New Testament. Elsewhere at the beginning of John's Gospel, we read there that to those who believed, he gave the right to become children of God. Wow. And that is grace. And wherever there is grace, there are no conditions. That's great news. You know, the Sermon of the Mount that that reading that Tori brought for us uh, came from can't contradict the way of salvation that Jesus and his followers taught elsewhere. So what does Jesus mean here? That's what's important. It should be understood rather as love your enemies and so prove yourself to be what you are, a child of God. How else though do we know this? And if you look to that passage in Matthew 5, then that may well be helpful. As you think particularly about verse 16. Jesus does not say he may become your father. He says he is your father. Second, notice that when Jesus, uh, that when sorry, people see uh, the good works of this, the disciples like loving their enemies, they are then to give glory to our father. It speaks of a relationship that we already have, not one that will be initiated as a result or of a condition even of our good good deeds. Good deeds are important and they are valuable and they give evidence to the reality of God in our lives, but in and of themselves they don't and can never make us into a Christian. Faith in Jesus is what matters most. And what is indeed required first. Jesus said to a prostitute who went to his feet these words. Your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You can read that account in Luke chapter 7. The Christian life isn't about us being good enough. But rather it's about ourselves realising that we are not good enough. That's the starting point. We're helpless and in need of this great physician to do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. And then we hear the gospel, this good news from God, and we hear that by trusting ourselves to him, to this Jesus, then our wrongs can be forgiven. And that's where the cross comes in. That was the purpose behind Jesus indeed dying. God is able then to be our Father. And we will have the help that we then need to be able to live out that sermon of on the mount, including being able to love our enemies. Our faith should be evident by what we do. You know, our next song gives us the opportunity to get right up with God. So before we think of what we need to do, we can firstly thank him for all that he has done. Listen to some of the words. I am empty, but I know your love does not run dry. So I wait for you. The song is called Hungry. Let's worship God.
always need to understand the context. That's important. When Jesus said we are to love our enemies, he was creating a new standard for relationships. The crowds listening to his Sermon on the Mount knew that they were to love their neighbour because this was a law of God. In Leviticus chapter 19, you can read that. While no Bible verse explicitly says, hate your enemy, the religious leaders of the day, they somewhat misappropriated and misapplied some of the Old Testament passages about hatred for God's enemies. Some 139 and 140 allude to that. But Jesus replaced this idea with an even higher standard. He explained to his followers that they should adhere to the real meaning of God's law by loving even their enemies as well as their neighbours. When then one of those religious leaders asked Jesus, well, who then is my neighbour? It was out of that that in Luke chapter 10, Jesus told the very well-known parable of the Good Samaritan, emphasising that even the worst of perceived enemies should be loved and respected and indeed valued. The same as anyone else. And this is how God is, of course, with everyone. That's what his word declares from cover to cover, regardless of who people are or what they have done. And our love for others should mirror this. It's just a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Okay, love those who hate you. That's a tough call, isn't it? In the story of the Good Samaritan, the man who loved was a Samaritan. And the wounded man who he helped out was a Jew. The Jews and Samaritans were anything but best buddies. There were strong religious and racial animosities, very strong. Jesus doesn't say, I've got two commands. One, that you love your neighbour. And two, that you love your enemy. Rather, he says, I have one command, and that's that you love your neighbour. But when I say that, what I mean is that includes your enemy. I guess it's a little bit like the Black Lives Matter campaign that we're seeing and hearing a lot about at the moment on our TV screens. And if Jesus was about today, I don't think he would be saying, I want you to love white people. I want you to love black people. I think what Jesus would be saying, rather, is I want you to love people, to love everyone. Regardless of the colour of their skin or what they've done or who they are or their, or their status. Love your neighbour and by that all people are indeed our neighbours. The first meaning of enemy is found in verse 44. People there who oppose you, who try to hurt you. But specifically maybe those people who are antagonistic. You can think maybe of a stroppy teenager or a bully of a boss or maybe a thoughtless uh, husband for starters. You could add to the list, I'm sure. And Jesus is saying, love them. The point seems to be don't stop loving because the person who does these things on occasions either offends or upsets us. Now, if you are in an abusive situation, well... We need to recognise that that is not the context that Jesus is speaking into here. Far from it. Let's move on to verse 47. There we read of a practical love. It is a love that seeks nothing 
in return. And this is maybe what Jesus means when he says, love your enemy. It's significant that he does not say, like your enemy. Like is a bit kind of like wishy-washy and sentimental or affectionate. There are lots of people maybe that you and I don't like. But to love our enemies, that's a little bit harder, isn't it? Hey, I've got something to say about that. I'm sure you have, Louis. Yeah, but, but not yet, okay? A little bit later, yeah. Uh, and when are the puppets on, anyway? Uh, no, the puppets are coming later as well, okay? You just need to be patient, okay? You ought to try loving him sometimes. The Bible tells us to love our neighbours and also our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people, says G.K. Chesterton. That we should all be able to agree on at least two things. One, Jesus had some pretty important things to say about loving your enemies. And two, nobody follows his advice. Because everybody's got a really great excuse about why they're exempt from loving their enemies. Well, she started it. Jesus said I should love my enemies. That doesn't mean I have to like them. It's different when they can kill you. Man, we really put a lot of thought and energy into justifying our behavior, don't we? I guess it's just been occurring to me recently that love your enemies is pretty much the one thing that Jesus said that we just... We just ignore it altogether. Or we kind of just fit it into whatever little box makes us feel the most comfortable. As if there exists a comfortable way to love your enemies. I mean, we've had 2,000 years to ruminate on his teachings and look at us doing the exact things he's warned us against. As if we didn't even listen. Or maybe we did and we just didn't like what we heard. Because it's hard to love your enemies. It's really hard. And it's not fun either. You see, when it comes down to it, you have two kinds of enemies. The first are the people that you know personally that you just straight up hate. But don't worry, they've always done something to you first. I cannot believe Rhonda. She had to know I was gonna invite Brad to the dance, but she decided to swoop in and ask him first. I hate her. She is my sworn enemy now. Yeah, that's real Christian. I mean, if we can't even get along with people when it comes to stupid stuff, maybe that's why the world is the way the world is. Oh, and speaking of that, the other kind of enemies that we need to talk about are... <laughs> like, I'm talking about all of the other countries that supposedly want to kill us. I mean, that kind of complicates the love-them thing, you know? Look, I know this is a really touchy subject. All I'm saying is that it seems like you have to start ignoring a lot of what Jesus preached when you subscribe to the gospel of safety and security. Because I don't care who they are or what they're trying to do to us, I just don't think that Jesus wanted us to live with hate or in fear. I feel like those were two of his main points. And I feel like a lot of the time we neglect to show love to people that really need it most. I know it's a really uncomfortable thought, but what if the only complicated thing about loving your enemies is that it's not complicated? Okay, maybe we need to look about a bit. Actually, Maria got us doing that, didn't she, last week? But this is a different kind of looking about a bit. I can remember first being taught how to cross the road. Can you remember that green cross code? Look right, look left, look right again. Well, this look at it in different directions. We're going to think about four different ways that we can look in or things that we can maybe look at. Firstly, we ought to look maybe at ourselves in the mirror. Now, okay, I know that may well be a little bit of a shock first thing in the morning, but just run with me with this. The reality is some people 
just will not like you. Maybe it's because of something that you've done in the past. Maybe it's because of some kind of personality trait or attribute that we possess or, or something maybe that's happened that we've done or that we've forgotten about, just never had the opportunity to put th- something right. Maybe it was that something that aroused that hate response from within the individual. So start with yourself. That's not a bad starting point. There might be something, of course, in us that has actually aroused something very uncomfortable in the other person. And that's important for us to take stock of and reflect on first. Secondly, look at the damaged lives of those who hate. Hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. Someone doesn't dip their headlights. You don't dip your headlights. Neither of you can see. There's then a crash. Someone's injured and maybe even worse. What did hate possibly gain? Hate can destroy the very nature, can't it? The very structure, rather, or the personality of the hater. They get obsessive and over time can't see things objectively anymore. Hate at any point is like an eroding acid that eats away the best and objective center of your life. You know, both psychologists and psychiatrists both agree that the more, the more we hate, the more we develop guilt feelings within, too. It's far better to seek to love. Of course, against that back, backdrop and before modern psychology came into being, the world's greatest psychologist told us of the best way of all being to love. He looked about at people and simply said, love your enemies. Don't hate anybody. Well, I'm going to say my bit now, if that's okay. Then all right. I'm going to carry on anyway. (laughs) Well, I can't see there's any point in hating anybody. Ever. No. I mean, the person who's doing the hating... Well, they must be really unhappy anyway, mustn't they? And then, well, the person who's being hated, well, that's not very nice either. So, everybody's unhappy. So what's the point in that? I mean, surely there's something positive we can do, isn't there? Yes, we can, Louis, and that's a good point. And that's what we're going to look at right now as we think about the third place that we are able to look. Look out for the good in your enemy. Every time you begin to hate, or maybe even a softer form of that, to dislike a particular person, realise that there is still going to be some good there. Look at those good points. Make that your focus, if at all possible which can then maybe overbalance some of those bad points. You see, that individual, just like you, is being made in the very image of God. That's worth our our while to remember before we start having all these negative thoughts about that individual. They were made, like you and me, in the image of God. Ovid, the Latin uh, poet, said, I see and approve the better things of life, but the evil things I do. 
Plato said of the human personality that it's like a charioteer with two headstrong horses, each wanting to go in different directions. Within the best of us, there is some evil, sadly. And within the very worst of us, well, there is also some good. If we come to see this and to have a more balanced view, we then might be better placed to have a different attitude towards those individuals that may be great us for some uh, reason or another. God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's what we read in God's word. Claire and her children highlighted that for us really creatively earlier, didn't they? With all, all those Lego pieces in the bath. In this case, love is about treating people equally with there being no room for favouritism. And fourthly, why not look to pray for those you struggle with? Prayer for our enemies is one of the deepest forms of love. Because it means we have to really want something positive to happen to that person that we're praying for. The prayer that Jesus had in mind here is always for their good. See that from verse 44. Not like the prayer of a guy that I can really still remember from years ago, not in this church, but in another church, where this guy was praying in this time of open prayer and prayed that God would get the person who knit his bike and that he'd be punished. Now, it was a very, very passionate prayer. And as ever, of course, in churchy circles, you can't really always hear what everybody is praying. So people were still going on with the air, amen, amen, which means I agree. It was almost humorous. Well, that's not really a very healthy way to pray. It's certainly not a biblical way to pray. And we get that that guy was angry. We get that he must have been incredibly frustrated. But to pray against another person, no, that is not what Jesus would have us do. Prayer suggests something that's a hard thing. It's a sacrificial thing as well, isn't it? Because we're making a commitment in and of ourselves and in our time to seek the good of another. As we think about prayer, we also we always pause here to, to create an opportunity whereby we can pray. And we're going to be led in our time of prayer this week by Charlene. So let's pray right now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that we can come to you in prayer. Loving our neighbours can often be challenging, and often we are that neighbour that needs love, but we face rejection due to faith, race, gender, or social status. You are our only help and strength in this task. We pray for your help, Lord, to be able to actively seek to get to know and understand our neighbours, for empathy to grow within us for them, and in time for love to grow. We lift up all the families in our community. Please bless their marriages, partnerships and bonds with their children. And we also pray for the teachers and principals of our local schools as they devote their days to shepherding our children. Loving Father, we ask for healthy, thriving relationships between us as a church and for us in our individual lives. We pray that different cultures will be able to understand and care for one another we pray that the diversity of your people will be celebrated by all neighbours. 
just as you affirm and love each one of us. Lord, we pray for guidance for our church leaders and pastor as they nurture your congregation and seek to serve those around them. We pray that the church family would welcome neighbors with open arms. And we pray that the surrounding residents can find a place to experience community and spiritual growth by joining with us. We pray for revival and salvation, Lord. May we be good stewards of your love to each one of our neighbors and provide a place where they all are welcome. Thank you, God, for the many truths and promises you give to us as your children. May our hearts rest in you, Lord, and keep us from fear. We ask all this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Charlene, for that. You know, we've been uh, praying as leaders and exploring, uh, too, about the way ahead for ourselves as a church in terms of thinking about things like live streaming, our broadcast as well. So I thought it would maybe be, uh, be good to involve some of the other guys uh, today in our celebration. So, uh, without further ado, over to you, David. Thanks, Roger. Now for our first celebration, we've got a wedding anniversary. Yesterday, Martin and Marie celebrated a whopping 39 years of marriage. Martin, I hope that after 39 years, you can share between you. So here you are, a chocolate for Thanks, David. I better make sure I share it. Now for the birthdays, over to Chris. Thanks, David. We've got two birthdays coming up next week from two of our faithful members. We've got Eve Bonham Cousins, who's got a birthday on Monday the 28th. And then we've got Rob Owens, who's got a birthday on Wednesday the 30th. So happy birthday to you both. Have a great day, and I hope you're able to celebrate in some exciting way. Here's some chocolates. Over to Roger. Okay, thanks guys for that. That was great. Thanks, Chris. Uh, you seem quite reluctant, didn't you, really, to let go of those chocolates, don't you think? And as for the picture of Rob, great picture there, Rob, but I'm sure I'm not the only one that's wondering about that great big pool of water uh, there by, by your side. Is that some sort of birthday bath routine that you have once a year? I'm only kidding. Anyway, thank you, uh, David, as well. Now we're going to ask that question about how you got on with recognising the songs last week that we played for you that had the word worry. <laughs> Here's a reminder of some of those songs right now, and we'll then uh, see whether or not you got it right or wrong. Here we go. Well, that first track was Bob Marley. Don't Three worry. Birds, it was called Reach Number 17 back in 1977. Here's the next track. That a cappella number, don't worry, be happy. You may well have recognised the tune, but I doubt if many people would have guessed that it was Bobby That 
went all the way back to 1964, and that was the sound of the Beach Boys. That particular track, Don't Worry Baby, was the B-side of Round, Round, Get Around, Now Get Around. I'm sure you could sing the rest of the, of the song. I'm not going to bother with that now. Let us know how you got on. Did you get all the artists? Did you get all the song? Hope so. So we've had our celebrations. We've had our competition time. Well done. Hope you did okay with that. Just a little bit of fun. And fun's okay, right? With God, all things are indeed possible. Jesus' words aren't about crime or pacifism in war. They're about loving enemies in a radical way. I want to read the words of Martin Luther King Jr. back in 1957, who said these words. Now there is a final reason, I think, that Jesus says love your enemies. It's this, that love has within it a redemptive power. And there is power there that eventually transforms individuals. That is why Jesus says, love your enemies. They react with bitterness because they're mad because you love them like that. They react with guilt feelings and sometimes they'll hate you a little bit more at that transition period. But just keep on loving them. And by the power of your love, they will break down under the load. There is something about love that builds up and is creative. There is something about hate that tears down and is destructive. So love your enemies. Plenty of wisdom there. Jesus then gives us this easy command. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You can see it in Chapter 5, verse 48 of Matthew's Gospel. Some of us right now want to get out the Tipex bottle, don't we? Because it's utterly impossible for ourselves as human beings, isn't it, to achieve. So isn't that a tad unfair? Well, he later tells us that with God, or sorry, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Matthew chapter 19. So why don't we seek his help and give this our best shot daily? And then watch what God does in as well as through us. In the meantime, let's think practically about it. It may well be that there's someone that you struggle with that comes to mind, that you've got an issue with. And this week, we can think creatively about maybe the way that we can seek to resolve an issue, or indeed, even beyond that, to build a bridge. Like the pop song uh, declares, the power of love, a force from above. And that was what Martin Luther King Jr. was alluding to. That incredible uh, uh, force, that incredible power that's there for ourselves, for believers to indeed harness. In short, we ought to seek to apply what's become known as being the golden rule. That we ought to seek to treat others in exactly the same way as we ourselves would like to be treated.
where the words so powerfully think about that situation that we're in and the, and the battle that goes on, but a right perspective can make such a difference. Let the lyrics to this song both lift as well as challenge you as we worship God together. And then immediately following this song, yes, it's over to our puppets. So get ready, kids. My weapon is a melody 
And now, here's the puppets. singing this at home you can even make the noises if nobody else is listening Fantastic. I love those puppets. Thanks for the puppets there. That was really brilliant. Um, well, as, as always, we thank you for joining us today for this uh, presentation. If you have any questions you'd like to get in touch with us, then perhaps drop a line, go to the website, send us an email or whatever. And that also reminds me of next Sunday's broadcast, which will be entirely given over to praise and worship. So we look forward to that too. God bless. Come on in, guys. Time to go. Time to go. Louis, come on. And you. <laughs> now I'm the king of the swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. I've reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man, man cup, and stroll right into town, and be just like the other men. I'm tired of walking around. Here we go. Oh, ooby -doo. Ooby -doo. I want to be, be like, like you. you. Hope you're singing along. I want to walk like you. you talk like you too. you see it's true. And they like me. Remember Jungle Book? Nothing like Jungle Book, is it? Okay, thanks ever so much for joining our broadcast. Hope that you've enjoyed that, and that there was something there for each and every one of you. If you've got any questions or comments about that subject or even about the church, do please get in touch, maybe by calling 01305 267171 or you can um, be encouraged to uh, go onto our website if you've got access to the internet or maybe ask a friend and they can look a few things up for you. Maybe you can uh, forward this uh, this CD, this audio that you've listened to, onto somebody that you think it may well be appropriate for a 
as well. If there's good news within this, let's share that good news around. So God bless and all being well, you'll be able to join us next week.